Well, let me say it's been a real uh, blessing to get to be with you all week, and uh, it's amazing how different things are from when you start a week to when you end a week, you know, and I feel like we have a real uh, connection, and I want to thank you for that. I uh, was very touched even just in the Bible quiz, how you were answering questions. I mean, now you know what to do if you have a scary, scary dream about caterpillars, you know, and get your mom to pray. I mean, that'll help you in life, and, uh, but seriously, just... Um, how you've taken notes, um, and you've, you li- you've listened, and you've participated, and you've played some crazy games, and uh, I just believe overall it's been a great week of camp. I just want to thank God for it. It's something I'm going to remember, remember for many years to come, and uh, you, know what's, you know what's going to be the hard part is going back home and trying to tell everybody about it, you know? How do you explain this? You just, you just can't, and, and it's, uh, in every way, you really can't. But, but we're not finished yet. We're not finished yet. No, we're not going to put it in, you know, cruise and go ahead and just, uh, you know, park and say, well, we're done. No, the Lord wants to speak to your heart again tonight. And I trust that the message will be a real blessing. But I really do want to say thank you. You've been a real blessing to me personally, just interacting with you and your spirit and attitude. And I just pray God will take you and use you in a great way. And I um, appreciate all the camp staff here. If you get a chance, get around, tell them thank you this week. They really have been a blessing. Allowed us just to enjoy this. So that's a big deal. Genesis 42, if you would. Genesis chapter number 42. Genesis 42. A belief is something you hold. A conviction is something that holds you. Very true. You've got to have a conviction about the Word of God because the revelation of God will give you rest if you will Rest in it. That's exactly right. You've got to have a conviction about God's standard of purity. Not all the world around you is going to have that, so you might as well have your mind made up. You better have your mind made up about God's standard of purity. And then we saw that God cares about you in your circumstances, and so you need to be convinced about God's care for you in your circumstances. And then last night, we saw that you need to have a conviction about honoring God with your life, because if you'll honor God with your life, number one, what? God is glorified, and number two, the nations are saved. Very good. That's so important. Well, tonight, a conviction about God's blessings. A conviction about God's blessings. Uh, You could say God's way to blessings. Just to be a little bit more clear here, but God's blessings, and I'll explain hopefully in the midst of preaching what, uh, what that means. But Joseph had a conviction about God's blessings. Let's stand in honor of God's word now, and we'll read here from Genesis 42, and we'll read the first 20 verses. So a conviction about God's blessings. Now, when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, Jacob said to, unto his sons, why do you look one upon another? <laughs> Some funny questions, really, in the Bible, you know? Why are you looking at one another? You know, you're hungry. We've got to do something about this. And he said, behold, I have heard that there is corn in Egypt. Get you down thither and buy for us from thence that we may live and not die. I mean, this was a very desperate situation. At this point, The seven years of of plenty have famished, and now we are in the seven years of of famine, and and it's two years in, and it's already bad, okay? And so, in any case, a dire situation is before them, and so it says that 
Joseph's ten brethren went down to buy corn in Egypt. But Benjamin, Joseph's brother, Jacob sent not with his brethren, for he said, lest peradventure mischief befall him. And the sons of Israel came to buy corn among those that came, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. And Joseph was the governor over the land, and he it was that sold to all the people of the land. Now watch this. Remember Joseph's dreams as you read this verse. And Joseph's brethren came and, what does it say? Bowed down themselves before him, just like it happened in Joseph's dream twice, with their faces to the earth. And Joseph saw his brethren, and he knew them, and made himself strange unto them. Foreign. Made himself foreign unto them. Strange. And spake roughly unto them, and he said unto them, Whence come ye? And they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew not him. Watch this, verse 9. This is a great verse. And Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamed of them. Now, that doesn't mean it was the first time he thought about it in 22 years. But he's just reflecting back and saying, God's revelation is so true. All right? And said unto them, Ye are spies, to see the nakedness of the land ye are come. And they said unto him, Nay, my Lord, but to buy food are thy servants come. We are all one man's sons, and we are true men. In other words, we tell the truth. They speak with forked tongue. <laughs> they don't really tell the truth. Thy servants are no spies. And he said unto them, Nay, but to see the nakedness of the land ye are come. And they said, Thy servants are twelve brethren, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is this day with our father, and one is not. Well, he is too. He's standing right in front of them, and he, they don't even know it. This is great. I love it. Joseph said unto them, That is that I spake unto you, saying, Ye are spies. Hereby ye shall be, what? Proved. Ye shall be proved by the life of Pharaoh. Ye shall not go forth hence, except your youngest brother come hither. Send one of you, and let him fetch your brother, and ye shall be kept in prison, that your words may be proved, whether there be any truth in you, or else by the life of Pharaoh, surely ye are spies. And he put them all together in toward three days. You say, that is so mean. He shouldn't put them in prison. Hey, he spent 12 years. They had it coming. All right. Verse 18. And Joseph said unto them, The third day this do and live, for I fear God. If ye be true men, let one of your brethren be bound in the house of your prison. Go ye, carry corn for the famine of your houses, but bring your youngest brother unto me, so shall your words be, say it, verified. Okay, so proved, proved, verified. And ye shall not die. And they did so. And they said one to another. Now watch what happens. This is 22 years later. And look what they say. We are verily guilty concerning our brother in that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us. And we would not hear. Therefore, is this distress come upon us? I'm telling you, 22 years later, they are regretting the day that they sold Joseph into slavery. Threw him in a pit and then sold him. 
They regret the day. They remember that like it was yesterday and how Joseph cried out to them that they would not do this. And the older brother, the oldest brother Reuben said, Spake I not unto you, saying, and just like an older brother, didn't I tell you? A conviction about God's blessings. A conviction about God's blessings. Father, one more time here tonight, I want to pray. Been praying for this service as other services, and I know others have been and others are, even right now while we're gathered here together. And so, Father, I pray that you'd help us, uh, Lord, not to be distracted by anything else that's going on. I pray that you would just speak to hearts as only you can. And uh, thank you, God, for the way that you already have spoke to hearts for decisions that have been made. And I know that that really the test is coming as these, your servants, go back home. And I pray that they may view themselves as your servants, servants of the Most High God. I pray that, God, they would live according to what you've put in their heart this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I want you to think about this, first of all, as we get started here tonight. Before you can be trusted, you must be tested. Before you can be trusted, you must be tested. At uh, Southwest Baptist Church, we're a pastor. Uh, it's been the custom for many years that the boys and girls sit on the front two rows. I mean, just a host of boys on this side and a host of girls. We don't tell the boys that they have to sit on one side and girls sit on the other side. They just naturally do that. You know, his primaries and juniors. So the boys sit up front and the girls sit up front. And my boys, I'm telling you, as they were growing up, they were, they were saying, Dad, can I sit on the front row? I mean, that was like a big deal. Well, before they could be trusted on the front row, they had to be tested back there with Mom and Dad to make sure they know who, knew how to act in a service. Because that would be way embarrassing for them and me if I had to call them down on the front row. You know what I mean? Yeah, wouldn't be good. Wouldn't be good. You've got to be, uh, to be trusted with blessings, you've got to be tested. Hey, Dad, you might say, can I have the car keys? Huh? Can I have the keys to the truck or whatever it is you drive? And your dad's going to say, no. Right? Well, I'm sure that eventually he's going to start doing that and say, yes, you can be trusted. Hey, that's a huge deal. You realize it takes a long time to build trust and it takes just a minute to lose it? Before you can be trusted, you must be tested. Dad, can I get a cell phone? Can I get a cell phone? I imagine, hey, which, by the way, you've made it a whole week without a cell phone. Congratulations. Yes. Dad, can I get a cell phone? Dad, can I get a cell phone? Well, before you can be trusted with a cell phone, you need to be tested to make sure that you can. And, and so if you are privileged to have one, don't abuse it. That way you don't lose it. Dad, can I stay out till this, this time at night? To be trusted with that, you've got to be tested so that you can be blessed. Dad, Mom, this is a young lady talking for the real deep voice. <laughs> I met this guy. Okay? To be trusted, you have to be tested. You want the blessings. 
I believe tonight that you want the full blessings of God. Remember the first night that we were together Monday night? We talked about how that God wanted to bless the family of Israel, the family of Joseph. How What a dysfunctional family. Hey, you believe it now? Dysfunctional family, and yet God wanted to bless them. And I believe God wanted them to enjoy the full blessings of God. And I, I just believe in my soul tonight that, that God, that you, actually, that you want to enjoy the full blessings of God. I mean, who among us tonight would say, nah, I don't really want the full blessings of God. Just give me partial. I don't think anybody in here thinking right would say, I don't really want God's blessings. No, I think you really do want God's blessings. In fact, it's not just that you should want God's blessings. It's this, you really need God's blessings. There's two extremes when we think about God and his blessings. Some would be this, God never blesses. He's always mean. He's just up there ready to smack you in the head if you do wrong. Okay, That's a wrong idea of God. God loves you, and he's positive about you, and he's got plans for you. God wants to bless you. hope you've seen that this week. God does. He wants to bless you. I, I enjoyed being in a restaurant down in Texas and a, and a guy waiting tables. I said, hey, how you doing? Just kind of casual conversation. He said this, I've been blessed by the best. That's what he said. I've been blessed by the best. I said, I like that. That's really good. And he said, well, it's true. I've been blessed by the best. And he got to telling me how good God's been in his life. Here's a man waiting tables talking about how good God's been. Hey, listen, I'd rather wait tables being enjoying the blessings of God than to have some office high in some city somewhere not knowing the blessings of God. God wants to bless you. But the other extreme would be this. You know, it really doesn't matter what you do. God's just going to bless you anyways. That's wrong. That's, that's not right. If you want the full blessings of God on your life, if you want the full blessings of God, God is looking for one thing from your life. Joseph, I believe, as his brothers, I mean, can you imagine? It's hard for me to, to even take in all the emotion that no doubt played into this moment as he saw his brothers for the first time in 22 years. The last time he saw them, he was looking up from a pit and saw their faces looking down at him. It had been 22 years since he'd seen his brothers. And so at this point, I mean, there's all kinds of emotion. In fact, Joseph's going to have to excuse himself from the room because he's going to become overwhelmed with even his emotion about seeing his brothers again. And I believe tonight that Joseph wanted them to have the blessings of Egypt, and he wanted them to see the blessings of God in their life. And and I love reading. We're not going to get that far in our study, but to see that Joseph had this perspective. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And so he wanted them to know the blessings of God. But before they could have the full blessings of God, they had to be tested. That's why Joseph said that you may be proved, that you may be proved, that your words may be verified. And so what, what you would read about if we had the time tonight to read and really delve into, we're just going to kind of hit the high points of chapter 42, 43, and 44. Okay, no, don't worry. We're not going to be that long in doing it. But we're going to see that Joseph gave them four tests. Four tests to see if they could be could be uh, trusted with God's blessings. Four tests. But with these four tests, with these four tests, there's really one thing that God is looking for. 
One thing that God is looking for, that he might pour his blessings out on a person, and not just pour his blessings out on a person, but so that also he could use that person. You want to be blessed by God? Do you want to be used by God? Then what Joseph was looking for in this text is exactly what God is looking for tonight. And I think that we've got there to a certain measure, but I'm not sure that everybody here in this room, because really only God knows the hearts of every worker and every youth and every person in here. Only God really knows the heart to know whether you're actually there yet or not. It may be that there's still somebody here tonight that's holding out that needs what's going to be preached here tonight. I'm going to trust that. I just believe that, that there still may even be a battle going on in somebody's heart right here for test looking for one thing. The first test was this, an honesty test, an honesty test. Joseph knew who they were. They didn't know who he was. He gave them an honesty test, and he said, you're spies. You're spies, and the only way that I'm going to believe otherwise is if you bring your brother back. He gave them an honesty test. Let me just ask you, are you honest? Do you tell the truth? You know, uh, a lie is a handle that'll fit any tool. If you are involved in cheating, you'll have to lie to cover up your cheating. If you're involved in stealing, you'll have to lie to cover up your stealing. If you're involved in sexual sin, you'll have to lie to cover up your sexual sin. Do you get what I'm saying to you? Lie is a handle that'll fit any tool, any sinful tool, okay? Abraham Lincoln said that no man is, has a good enough memory to be a successful liar. You'll forget what you've told somebody, and you'll tell somebody else, hey, listen, you know the easiest thing to do in life? Just tell the truth. Just tell the truth. We need a generation of young people who are growing up and saying, listen, it doesn't matter even if I get in trouble about it. I'm going to tell the truth. Did you hear about that guy that was in, the, in court, and, and he was trying to get money out of, a, out of an accident, and the judge asked him, said, how high can you raise your arm? that was hurt, and he went like this right here. And then he said, now how high could you raise your arm before the accident? <laughs> he said like that. Honesty. Joseph gave them an honesty test. An honesty test. Then he gave them an integrity test. That's number two. He gave them an integrity test. He told his servants, put their money back in their bag. Put their money, they brought money to buy corn in the land, put their money back in the bag and send it back with them. And they didn't know it. But then on the way home, they got hungry, they cut open one of their bags, and lo and behold, the money was back in the bag. And they all thought, oh my soul, we're in trouble. God is after us again because of what we did to Joseph. I'm telling you, they live with a guilty conscience. And so in any case, they were concerned about it, so they purposed that they would bring that money back. In fact, that's exactly what they did when they got back to Egypt the second time. He gave them, number one, an honesty test. He gave them, number two, integrity test to see if they would do what was right there with the money that was back in their bag. So then they're back, and I'm, I'm going rather quickly through this story just to kind of get to a certain point. And, and so you can fill in the details later, but basically it comes down to this. They come back home, and they say, listen, we had to leave Simeon because, because uh, the ruler of the land, Zathnapaneah, said that we had to leave one of the brothers here, and, and we couldn't come back unless we brought Benjamin. Benjamin was the younger brother of Joseph. Joseph, of course, the favorite son of Jacob, and then Benjamin after him, the only two sons that were born to Jacob's favorite wife named Rachel. 
And so Jacob did not want anything to happen to his little boy named Benjamin. Now, that was older, obviously, at this point. He didn't, want any, he didn't want to lose Benjamin like he lost Joseph. And so when they said, listen, Dad, the only way we can go back is if we bring Benjamin, Jacob said this, absolutely not. Under no circumstances, I'm not going to lose my, ne- my other son, Benjamin, just like I lost my son, Joseph. 22 years later, he's still grieving over this. Reuben, the oldest son, says this, listen, Dad, if anything happens to Benjamin, then you can have my two sons. That's what he said. They got hungry again. And Jacob said, listen, we're going to have to get some more food from Egypt. Judah, at this point, is the chief speaker in the family. Okay, here's the lineage. There was Reuben, Simeon, Levi, the Next one down, the fourth child was Judah. Do you remember Judah from chapter number 38? Wicked, vile Judah. Judah is now like the leader of the family. Reuben, he went into under one of his father's handmaids, disqualified from leadership. Simeon and Levi were violent men. They killed a whole city of men back in Shechem. They're disqualified for leadership. Now it's down to Judah, and you'd probably think, well, he's disqualified because of what he did there in chapter number 38, but for the grace and mercy of God. Judah is still God's choice to bring Messiah into the world. So now Judah is the one who is the spokesman for the family, and he says, Dad, listen, the only way we can go back is if we take Benjamin. In fact, in the book of Genesis, Judah has the longest speaking line of any other character in in the book of Genesis. It's very significant because Judah is a very significant individual. Okay? So then Judah says this to his dad. Dad, if anything happens to Benjamin, then you can take my life for it. My life for his. Now listen, hang on, wait, don't don't rush past this. We're seeing some very significant changes in Judah. If self-centered Judah, the one who said, mind you, the one who said, hey, let's not kill him, let's sell him, same Judah. The one who went down and had relations with his own daughter-in-law, not knowingly, thinking that she was a, a harlot, same Judah. The same Judah said, Dad, if anything happens to him, let it be my life for his life. That's Judah. I'm here to tell you tonight, there's some change that has taken place in Judah's life. Some needed change that's going on in Judah's life. Okay, so now we've had an honesty test, an integrity test, and then number three, a jealousy test. A jealousy test. Do you remember how jealous that the brothers were of Joseph back on Monday night? They were extremely jealous of him and wanted to kill him because of that. So all the brothers come back. And, of course, we've already established that they came and they bowed down before Joseph. But can you imagine, here is is Joseph as he's standing before them, and he sees his own blood brother, Benjamin, for the first time in 22 years. And he watches as all 11 of those brothers bow just like they did in the dream. And so he he says, I want to meet with you in a meal time. And so these Inhabitants of Canaan were privileged to eat with the second in command in Egypt. So what happened is this. Joseph had them arranged in their chronological birth order. And so here was Reuben, Simeon, Simeon, Levi, Judah, and all the rest of them. 
always struggle with that part. <laughs> Way down here on the end is Benjamin. Okay, can you see them all? All 11 of them sitting there, and they're being served. Joseph has to sit at a separate table because he's an Egyptian, and Egyptians don't, don't eat with Israelites. There's separation there. So they bring out the food, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, and all the rest of them. But to Benjamin, watch this, watch what happens. The Bible says that they brought five times as much to little bro. Five times as much. Can you imagine their eyes? They're looking down the line. Man, Benjamin, you can put it away. Five times. First serving, second, third, fourth, fifth. He treated him with partiality. What is he doing? He's giving them a test. I'm going to bless him. And I want to see how you can take it now when you see your younger brother being blessed. You remember way back? Daddy gave me a coat of many colors. And you became envious. So now I want to give him and bless 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 him. How are you going to respond now? Are you still jealous? And there wasn't one hint of jealousy. Honesty test. Integrity test. Number three, jealousy test. Number four was this, a selfishness test. Joseph ate the meal with them, still did not disclose who he was. And then he told his servant, take my silver cup, his special cup, and to put it in Benjamin's sack. He hid it in Benjamin's sack. Let them leave. After they left, then here came the police cars, chasing, not the police cars, but here came, you know, the, the guards chasing them down. And here's the question they ask, why have you rewarded evil for good? Why have you rewarded evil for good? Joseph, not Joseph, Zathnath Paneah has only been good to you. Why have you been evil to him? And Judah said, what do you mean? What are you talking about? He said, one of you have stolen the king's silver cup, his special defining cup. Which one of you has done it? And Judah says, whoever has it, let him die. They started with Reuben in birth order, Simeon, Levi, Judah, and all the rest. Until they got down to baby brother Benjamin's, and they cut open that sack, and the cup fell out. Judah spoke up and said, not his life. Take me instead. There's a big change in Judah's life. Not Benjamin. Take me. And that's where Judah comes before his brother Joseph, not knowing it was Joseph, and he pled with him and reasoned with him and explained to him how that they had betrayed their brother and all this was coming upon them because of what they had done. Hey, listen... Four tests, honesty test, integrity test, jealousy test, selfishness test. And Judah is standing before Zathna, who also is Joseph. And he's standing before him, and Joseph is overwhelmed, and he's seeing a real sincere change in the life of this brother that had wronged him, who had sold him, who had betrayed him, who had hated him, who had done all these things. He's seeing a change, and since he's seeing a change, since he's seeing this, full repentance, because he's seen repentance, now he's saying, I know now that I can bless you. 
Because to enjoy the full blessings of God, you must be fully repentant. You cannot enjoy his full blessings if you're not fully repentant. Another way of saying that would be this, fully surrendered. Are you listening to me here tonight? Another way of saying that would be this, fully broken. He can't bless you unless you have been broken. Have you been broken? At that point, Joseph tells everyone out. He's overwhelmed with emotion. And he stands and no doubt he takes off his, his hat and he says to them powerful words. I am Joseph. Can you imagine? I mean, just put yourself in that situation here just a moment. 22 years ago, you sold him into slavery. 22 years ago, you got 20 pieces of silver for him. 22 years ago, you betrayed him. 22 years ago, you hated him. But now, 22 years later, he's ready to bless you. I think about the Savior and how the Jews hated him. Jealous of him, ridiculed him, spat upon him, hated him. The Romans spat upon him, beat him, sold for 30 pieces of silver. You're seeing some parallels? And all he wanted to do was bless them and use them. But he can't bless and he can't use somebody who's not fully repentant. He can't bless and he can't use someone who's not fully broken. I said he can't bless and he can't use a young person who's not fully surrendered. I wonder tonight we just went individual by individual by the way the Holy Spirit of God is doing that and if there's some way to measure and some way to have an indication if as a result of this week where you've heard about God's blessings and his plan for your life and wanting to use you I wonder if there would be a way for it to be measured and proven that you are fully surrendered Watch this, to whatever, to whatever he wants in your life. I, um, I grabbed one of the decision slips that you all use. The decision card, camp, is a place of decision. It's a place of decision. It's a place of decision. I've enjoyed being here this week and just hearing some of the philosophy going into this camp week. 
Camp is a place of decision. Your church is a place of discipleship that's going to help you the 51 weeks. This, this week is a week of decision. You're making decisions. And so here, here this has, of course, where you put Rivertown and so forth in your name and all that information. And then it has a place where it says problem and biblical counseling. And so what I did, I know that you may not be able to say that, see this, but I put the problem is I. I. Big letter I. Everybody see that? I. That's the problem. That's the problem. You're the problem. I'm the problem. The biblical solution, the biblical counseling, broken eye. The brand right here. You've seen it all week long. It's a symbol of brokenness and your utter dependence upon him. Your brokenness before the Lord and your utter dependence upon him. Listen, whatever problem it is that you have, you come, you just mark it down. It's always going to be pride and selfishness, which equates this, I, 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 standing this way, I, God can't bless you. Standing like this, God can't use you. But if you're broken, do you see what I'm saying to you? If you're broken, if you're bent, if you're broken, like this, he can use you. So the next layer down here says decision made. And really, it could go either of two ways. Either still you could leave. Listen, you can leave camp this week and still be I. Or you can leave camp this week and be broken I. Which one? Which one? Which one represents your life? Because then down here, I love how this is, plan developed. What are you going to do now? And so it's either going to be I or broken I at home, broken I at church, broken I at school, broken I into the future. To enjoy the full blessings of God, you must be fully broken. You must be fully surrendered. And I'll tell you what our problem is. We want the best of both worlds, and you can't have both. You can't have both, friend. You can't enjoy all the blessings of God and be worldly. Let me try to illustrate that. I understand that uh, I had a friend that speaks Spanish, and I like trying to learn Spanish, and he said, you know the best way to learn Spanish? Get a Spanish girlfriend. <laughs> that's what he told me. I said, man, I'm married. He said, I know, I'm just kidding around. But that's how I learned Spanish. He I mean, he's pastoring the Spanish church now, you know, in, in the Dallas metro area. He said, yeah, I, my wife, you know, of course, now we're married, but that's how I learned to speak Spanish. So, I mean, just think about how that'd be. I mean, this is terrible to think about. But, I mean, just think about it. If I, if I you know, had my wife and then I had a Spanish girlfriend, and I come over here to my wife and I say, some of you say what did you say? That's exactly right. That, it all, no, I mean, I, I'm serious. I just got some looks like, you dirty dog. <laughs> okay. And so, but just imagine, okay, I'm over here and I say to my wife, Angie, I love you. And I go over here to my, my, my Spanish girlfriend, mi novia, te amo. <laughs> huh? I come over here to my wife and I say, Angie, I love you with all of my heart. And I come over here and I say to my Spanish gr girlfriend, mi novia, Te amo con todo de mi corazón. <laughs> huh? How we doing? Yeah, I come over here and I say to Angie, I mean like real romantic, Angie, baby, hey. <laughs> I'm trying, all right? <laughs> you got me all cracked up. I love you with all of my heart. And I come over here, mi novia, baby. <laughs> Te amo con todo, con todo, con todo de mi corazón. I come over here and I say it real loud. Angie, I love you. I love you with all of my heart. Minovia, te amo con todo de mi corazón. 
I come over here and I give her flowers. And I come over here and I give her flowers. And I come over here and I give her candy. And I come over here and I give her candy. And I come over here and I give her a boat. And I come over here and I give her a boat. I, are you seeing? This is crazy. No man can serve two masters. Okay, wait, that's not the context of that verse. Oh! Oh! Wrong verse! Wrong verse! Sorry, wrong verse! I didn't have that in my notes. This is crazy! You can't do this! Isn't that right? You I mean, it doesn't matter how loud I say it, how often I say it, it doesn't matter what all I do if I've got a girlfriend on the side. Hey, listen. The Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ who's worthy of your full devotion, listen, will not let you have the world as your girlfriend on the side or your boyfriend on the side. <laughs> Sorry, I'm out of breath. But isn't that what we try to do? Oh, how I love Jesus. And then over here, sing the world songs. Are you with me tonight? Over here, you know, with the youth group and doing what they do, but then with your friends at school, acting a total different way. You're not broken. You're not fully surrendered. You're not truly humbled. You're not in a place where he can greatly bless you and greatly use you. You're still walking as I. You need to be broken. And he's either you're going to do that yourself because if you're his, listen, he's relentless. He is, he is passionate about you being like his son. And he loves his son so much and is so pleased with him that he wants every one of his followers to be just like him. And he's not going to give up until you are. So either you humble yourself or he'll break you down. And some of you this week, I love you, and that's why I'm saying these things to you, and I don't know you like everybody else does, but listen, it may very well be that you've been within the sound of my voice all week and the sound of your preacher's voice and even your parents and other godly friends, and God's trying to get your attention, but you're still walking high and proud and self-sufficient like, I don't need all this. Hey, listen, I'm telling you, you better get low. If you want the blessings of God and you want God to really use you, listen, this is a real serious thing and you can't go over here and can't go over there because, listen, like James said, you adulterers and adulteresses. Know ye not that the friendship of this world is enmity with God? I mean, like some of you, when, when I said I was going to get a Spanish girl from the side, I mean, you looked at your friends and you looked at me like, that's terrible. Why? Because it is terrible. It's totally wrong. It's peccato. <laughs> sin. Isn't that right? It's sin. It's wrong. It's wrong in every way. Are you broken? Are you fully repentant? If full repentance is, is here, let's say just like at the altar, if full repentance is here, and I realize, hey, listen to me tonight, you could come down to an altar and cry and, and do all those things and promise you're never going to do that again. Listen, you, could, you can make a big scene and all that, listen, and still get up and not be fully repentant. So I'm not saying that the altar totally equates repentance, full repentance, but it is a symbol of sacrifice, just like they bring those Old Testament sacrifices and they lay it on the altar. And so Paul said that we're to be a living sacrifice, totally holy unto God. And so listen, the altar represents that. So if this is the place of full repentance, where are you? Are you at the altar or are you somewhere back here? 
Maybe this week you made just a little bit of progress. You were back here and God has spoke to your heart and he's humbled you and you're willing to take this step and then maybe get a little bit further and God dealt with you about your music or your movies and listen, all those external things and those are great and you need to get rid of all that but if it does not go down deep in your heart, it won't last. But if you're fully repentant and humble before God and you come down before God and you bend and you bow before Him as the King and you say, dear God, whatever it is that you want, then you're at a place where God can bless. And then you're at a place that God can use. We went to a uh, deal north of Oklahoma City called Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount is an illustrated message. A guy on horse, and thus the mount. You get it? Uh, Sermon on the Mount. And so he said, listen, you're just going to have to take my word for it that this is a horse that's never been rode. Some of you may have seen this before. It's, a, it's amazing. I used to work with horses a little bit enough to know that how they could break me rather than me breaking them. He had a round pin. He brought that filly in, said she'd never been rode. There was probably 200 people up in the stands watching this man. And, and he said, right now, he's in the pen with her. He's got a long whip. He never hit her with it, but he's just using it to get her attention. And he said, right now, and she was as far from him as she most possibly could be, up against the fence, like trying to get out, and she's looking out that way. And he said this. He said, right now, some, she thinks that her greatest sense of fulfillment and usefulness is somewhere out there. I'm going to work to get her attention to help her see that her greatest sense of fulfillment and usefulness is not somewhere out there, but it's under my authority. And here we go. And he said to us, now some of you think that somehow your greatest sense of joy and fulfillment and happiness is somewhere out there in the world, but the word of God and God is going to work in your heart to get your attention. And here's what he did for the next probably 45 minutes to an hour. It went something like this. He had that whip and he'd pop it and then he'd go, step, step. You with me? Step. It popped. And that horse would turn away from him, and she'd turn away from him, and she'd turn away from him. He's back there. She'd turn away from him, and he'd pop that, hey, 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 for 10 solid minutes. I thought, what have we come to watch? <laughs> this is crazy. Some guy just going back and forth, hey, hey. I kid you not, it went another five minutes. Finally, I watched her do something. She did this. She stopped, and she looked at him with one eye. And then she turned away. Here we went again, another five minutes. Hey! 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 Finally, she stopped, and she turned her whole head to look at him, and then she turned away. And here we went again. I kid you not, I mean, it was getting laborious. And I'm thinking, oh, my soul, what? When is this going to end? And people were getting restless, and it was just, he was patient. Hey! 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 I'm going to have to speed it up here just for sake of time, but here's what I saw her do. She not only turned her head... But then she did this. She took a step, and she walked to him. He held out his hand. She smelled his hand, and he, he took a rope and just kind of put it around her neck real gentle-like. Took a blanket, let her smell it, get used to it. And, and once, if not twice, she got away, and here we went again. Hey! Hey! Finally got her to where he put that saddle on, lifted one, that leg up, swung over, 
She offered a buck just one time, and then she just kind of trotted off. I thought, how did you do that? Where were you when I was going like this, you know, trying to hold on for dear life? He just patiently worked to get her attention and to bring her to a place of submission. And all week long, God has been working through his word. Hey! Do you have a conviction about his word? Hey! Do you have a conviction about his purity? Hey! Are you convinced that he cares about you and wants the very best for you? Hey! Will you honor him with your life? Hey! Are you fully repentant? Hey! Do you know who he is? Hey! Will you follow who he is? Hey! Will you depend on who he is? Hey! Will you show others? who he is, and all week long, maybe you've tried to get away from him, but he's been patient. Hey. Hey. Maybe you've looked at him, but you've turned away. Tonight, I'm interested to see if you'll be willing, not just to look at him, but maybe to do this, Take a step and walk to him and get in a broken position. Where in brokenness, you're saying, I don't want what I want. I want what you want. You want the full blessings of God? You want him to use you in a great way? You've got to come to a place of full repentance, which means brokenness and surrender. Are you there? Let's bow our heads here just a moment.